Hello, everybody, and welcome to the 714 Podcast. This episode of the podcast is brought to you by Podcorn. If you're a podcaster who wants to monetize your episodes, Podcorn is the solution for you. I personally use Podcorn to monetize my podcast. All you have to do is make a free account, browse through the hundreds of sponsors, make a proposal, and create the ad. And you get paid. Really, guys, it's just that simple. Podcorn is a marketplace connecting podcasters to amazing podcast sponsorships, such as host red ads, interview segments, topical discussions, and more. Podcorn has been an exciting opportunity for us as it has allowed us to reach out to sponsors and get funding and expand our quality and content of our podcast. Their website is very accessible and makes it easy for you to connect with sponsors. With Podcorn, there is no middleman. Podcasters of all sizes can browse and choose opportunities right on the platform. They can set their own rates and collaborate with brands directly without any exclusivities. You never give up any rights to your podcast, and Podcorn is here to support you every step and ensure you're protected and compensated for the work that you do for brands. If you want your podcast monetized, Podcorn is one of the easiest ways to do so. Their payment method is called Stripe. It is secure and trusted by brands like Uber and Spotify, so you never have to worry about your payments. Click the link in the description to sign up to Podcorn and get started today this is the third episode of the book spotlight but first off i just wanted to uh just talk about how i'm feeling right now um i'm very grateful that i get the opportunity to to do this podcast and it's been seven months already i mean that's crazy to me like like even the thought that I'm doing a podcast right now, like a year ago, that would even have crossed my mind. And I'm just very grateful to be in this opportunity and to have the opportunity to do this. And you guys probably heard this first, uh, the sponsorship that, that we have, um, you know, from Podcorn and, you know, in seven months to have a sponsorship, like our first paid sponsorship on this podcast is is really incredible and i want to thank you all for your support i mean without you guys it wouldn't have been possible so thank you guys for listening and it's just been an an incredible journey and i hope to continue it and continue to grow and continue to provide good content quality content that all of you will enjoy so thank you guys for listening and let's get started here. Um, so when we last uh, left off in this book, I think we were around like the part where uh, Bob Iger, he was um, just got the a top executive job at Disney. And, you know, I don't want to summarize what I've read really, but one of the main topics that really struck me were was uh the ticket prices for Disneyland. Um in the book he says that if if Disneyland raises their prices just by a few dollars, that will that will make them millions more in profit. And the CEO at the time who discovered this was um Michael Eisner. And he he start like at the time Disney wasn't really um as big in the theme parks, they were pretty big, but not as not where they are today. And they really got their 
money from increasing the prices and they continue to increase prices to this day because, you know, it takes a lot to run uh, theme parks, you know, not only here in the United States, but also around the world. And what Bob discusses is that once they increase prices, they, they do it strategically so that they won't lose customers and those same loyal customers who buy, you know, the annual passes and continue to visit Disneyland will continue to come to Disneyland and Disney World and all their resorts and whatnot, which is pretty smart, you know, um, instead of, you know, making a whole new ride or whatever and just spending millions on on marketing, they just had to raise a few dollars. I mean, they continued to market themselves as well, but it's it's less of a a burden or a, a hardship for them to just raise a couple of dollars on their prices and make millions more and, and be able to invest it. But actually, I want to kind of go a little bit off topic here. Uh, currently, Disney and a lot of companies and the stock market are are going downhill right now um and this coronavirus like i talked in the last episode i had no idea that it would actually be this uh this enormous to impact the global market and it's really taken an impact not only in china and eastern countries but also here um like the day I'm recording this is Saturday, um, the 29th, and the first um, U.S. Uh, citizen actually passed away due to the coronavirus. I think she was 55 years old in in uh, Washington State, and you know that's sad to hear. Um, and probably a lot more people have died around the world due to due to the virus, but. What I want to talk about is the economy right now. You know, over the past week, it has really, it has really dropped, and you know, a lot of people have lost money. People are thinking that's a recession. I mean, some some crazy stuff has happened. And even my cousin, he's he was talking to me about how the ten-year Treasury bonds are or Treasury is going down, and um, the oil prices are going down. I mean, it looks like we're heading toward a recession, you know, we'll see what happens in the long run, but it's crazy to see that, you know, this virus has had such an impact on the world in general, like out of nowhere, you know, people weren't even considering this, like even a month ago or two months ago, and now it's here and people have to adapt and and be safe out there, you know, you don't, you continue to wash your hands and, you know, hope uh, all of you are safe. But yeah, the economy, like I said, is, is taking a turn for the worse, but I mean, that's, that's what happens. Um, and that's what will continue to happen over time. You know, it's not like, um, something that we expected, but it, it has been 10 years since the last recession. And now it looks like we're going in that direction. And 
you know, that's part of it, really. That's part of the process of, of life, in fact. Um, all, all good things have to come to an end. You know, we've been in a great economy for 10 plus years now. And it's really been a great, a great time uh, over the 2010s period. You know, we had the uh, big recession in 2008, 2009, and it's been great from there. And now it looks like it's going to be a little downhill, but we'll recover from it. And like I said, that's part of life when with like the yin and the yang is where I'm trying to get at is, uh, it's, it's like, you know, ultimate light has to, has to contrast with, uh, ultimate darkness. So the good and the bad have to be able to coexist and it will always balance out no matter what. And so moving on, sorry for that long off topic rant sort of, but moving on, uh, I wanted to talk about, uh, in the book, it's, uh, he talks about Pixar and Disney's dispute, you know, as we know, Pixar and Disney have been, uh, a long time uh, contributors and partners in movies from, you know, Toy Story to Bugs Life and to the Incredibles and so many more movies. You know, they've, they've been a big part in, in Disney's animation. And at when Toy Story, the first Toy Story uh, was in development, Michael Eisner, the then CEO of Disney, and Steve Jobs, uh, CEO of Apple, and also Pixar, was uh, like kind of hashing up a deal on whether or not they would, uh, on whether to make movies together. And they ended up with a five movie deal. And the first movie they made was Toy, Toy Story. And the main conflict with the, with this is that uh, Disney was acting like Pixar didn't have big of a role and they didn't get as much money and they weren't really, they didn't have the appreciation that they deserved from Disney. And Disney was taking all the accolades and and Pixar was, you know, just like a little brother to them and not given the appreciation that it deserved. And so Steve was really angry with uh Michael for not for not uh making them equal equal partners. And so and one of the main uh losses that uh Pixar had was they gave up all rights to any sequel that they made. So like if Pixar uh, and Toy Story or Pixar and Disney made a movie like Toy Story that Toy Story 2 would not be uh, would not have ownership with Pixar but it would be completely owned by Disney and they had a five movie deal and also the Michael said that any sequel was not part of the five movies. So they had to make five individual movies that, so no sequels. And, you know, that led to a lot of great movies. You know, I'm not complaining. Like some of the best movies of my childhood was 
was Disney and Pixar movies. But, you know, that's, that's part of business that, um, that old generation kind of had where, and still to this day, there's, there's greed and people and they want money and, and that's, and people will go to a great extent to get that money. But overall, Steve Jobs did do a great job with Pixar and they ended up you know, doing a lot of movies together, which was great. And yeah. Um, also I wanted to talk about the, the micromanaging that happened when Michael Eisner was the CEO of Disney. Um, sorry. Uh, unfortunately the Michael had a lot to do with, um, the creation of Disney's movies and it got, he got a little too hands-on with the creative aspect of it because when you're creating something, when you have an idea, when you want that idea to come to reality and, and you have this vision in mind, you don't want other people to come in and, and kind of pick apart your vision and choose what's good and then input something else that's different. And that's what was happening at Disney. And, you know, as a CEO, you have to think of the business aspect of it and also the creative aspect of it and the brand image and basically everything in a company. And that could, that could also be a bad thing or a good thing. And for Michael, it turned out to be a bad thing. Uh, in some cases when he got too involved in a project and the movies that, that the original creators imagined never really came to fruition because the executives who knew nothing about like creating movies or anything, uh, or creating movies and the, uh, creation part of it, of the drawing, the ideas that had to happen to make it come to reality. They instead just, um, wanted to make it how they imagined it, not how the original creators intended it to be. And that caused a lot of, um, a lot of mismanagement and, uh, conflict within Disney at the time. And yeah, that's, that's how much I've read so far. And, I mean, I'm really enjoying the book, like I said. Oh, yeah. Um, If you guys want to check it out, The Ride of a Lifetime uh, by Bob Iger, the current CEO of Disney. Actually, there's some there was some news that he's uh, he's going to leave the position of CEO at Disney. Um, I forgot who exactly is going to take his position, but it says by the end of um. By the end of 2021, he's going to, Bob is going to not be CEO of Disney anymore. And it says here that uh, Robert Chapek, uh, he's going to be the new CEO of Disney, which is, you know, pretty, pretty crazy and interesting to see how he handles the company and we'll see where it goes from there. But That's it for this episode. I hope you guys enjoyed it. You know, covered 
uh, some of the interesting parts of this book, some new ideas, and yep. See you guys later. Peace. <laughs>